I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 47, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully, they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object. We call him old pissy pants, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. No, you would have called me that had I actually pissed my pants, but I didn't piss my pants. I, I held it for uh, a good stretch there. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Yes. I thought about uh, hopping out and using a uh, urinal I saw, or not a urinal, a uh, porta potty. Porta potty I saw uh, over, by, the, uh, over by the USS Intrepid. <laughs> yes, the, the Hudson Highway. <laughs> I was going to take a piss and then gone slammed Yokozuna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Fat Pants was giving me block by block updates, which wasn't helping. <laughs> but uh, we made it. You we did make it. it. We, t- we talked about this last week on the NAI Network, episode 46, the ROH Road Trip. You want to go and check that episode out. When we were actually in the car with Fat Pants driving to the Ring of Honor show in New York City, we brought you along there on the ride there and on the ride home. And uh, yeah, Brian almost didn't make it. We almost had a uh, <laughs> we almost had a, a, a wet below the waist. Brian five, five more minutes, and it would have been it would have been bad news. <laughs> Really bad news. So now, I, now I know to uh, always bring uh, some sort of wide mouth uh, bottle with me, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> you're, I see you're always learning in this business, Brian. Yes. You're always learning. Fifteen years in, yes. and you learn something new. <laughs> Amazing. Or or find some three uh, XL depends. <laughs> <laughs> All good things, all good things. Okay, today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the New Age Insiders Network, we've got your promo about nothing, and we'll be talking to the CEO of Chaotic Wrestling, Mr. Jamie Jamikowski. But first, Brian, we were talking about Ring of Honor, and this past week, uh, you did make your debut on Ring of Honor Television, the first round of the Top Prospect Tournament, yourself versus big brother Raphael King. And this is on right now on ROHWrestling.com. It's on the Fight TV app. It's everywhere you get your Ring of Honor. And uh, Brian, how'd you feel about seeing the episode on ROHWrestling.com? That was pretty cool, man. I waited 15 years to wrestle on TV, so now I have. So now I'm retiring. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it was pretty cool. I did see a couple of... Uh, television reviews uh some fellas uh who uh, review tv episodes of ring of honor not too kind to me but keep watching boys i think i think you'll like what you see going forward yes you're uh, <laughs> you are in the second round and if not kiss my ass wow <laughs> you defeated Raphael king you are they're going to be showing in a few weeks yourself from the hammerstein ballroom yes uh yourself versus can we say yes not yet no no that episode doesn't air till next week oh Mike. my god so uh Hey, we don't give spoilers on here. 
We we don't. No spoilers whatsoever. Um, I know. I know you're trying your damnedest to sabotage my uh, <laughs> my career with Ring of Honor. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that, Brian. I want to keep you around here on the wrestling podcast about nothing. I want to make sure that we have you here forever and ever. But uh, speaking of Ring of Honor, also the pay per view was last night, the 15th anniversary show. Christopher Daniels culminated his long career by finally winning the ROH World Heavyweight Championship over Adam Cole and a guy from New England that uh, you know I don't really know him at all but you know uh, TK Orion I guess was uh, hurt pretty badly last night it looks like yeah yeah I actually talked to him this morning uh, broke his leg and it's pretty bad so you know speedy recovery to TK I'm sure he will you know rehab it and come back better than ever I have no doubt about that but you know sucks bad break for him so you know injuries happen though uh, we haven't had a chance to actually watch the ROH pay-per-view yet, but hopefully we'll talk about that a little more in the future. But from what I'm seeing, uh, for some very good reviews, a lot of good matches. I heard the six-man tag team match with uh, our buddy Hanson and uh, Ray Rowe, War Machine, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Uh, against... The Briscoes and Bully Ray? Against the Briscoes and Bully Ray, yes. And I heard that was a uh, fantastic match as well. So plenty to look for if you want to uh, get your Ring of Honor fix on pay-per-view. You yeah, can I think find it's, on, it's on the Fight TV app like whenever you want it, I think. You just I think pay, so. You pay for it and get it. And So yeah, go do that. And it's on traditional pay-per-view as well. I'm sure there were replays you can uh, go and purchase for that. Also, we did a BDA bonus. Finally, Brian, we did a BDA bonus podcast. <laughs> This past oh, Thursday, you weren't, too, you weren't too busy last week. <laughs> no, I was not. I was. Uh, it was back to normal for me. You and were, uh, you were Todd Sinclair like busy. What, what does that mean? He says he's busy, but he never is. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So the uh, yes, we did return to the BDA Radio exclusive podcast, and it was a supersized edition. It was over an hour long. Usually we've been trying to keep that to between thirty and forty minutes, but uh, it was supersized just to kind of make up for missing the week prior. We talked about uh, Fast Lane. We talked about our friend Kofi Kingston. A lot of good uh, feedback about that podcast. Make sure you go and check that out because you're aware we do those two podcasts a week we do the one here every monday on the new age insiders network and on thursdays we do a podcast exclusively for bda radio and on that one it's a different topic every week it's voted on by our listeners and followers at the wpan on twitter and plus also on there we do a weekly feedback segment called merv griffin time and we induct a member each week into the prestigious he'll laugh hall of fame so to get those bda bonus episodes plus actually the first 38 episodes of this podcast you can find them on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform, or you can visit BDARadio.com. Also, want to make sure to mention that uh, this past Thursday, the documentary that we spoke to Brian Fury about last week. Thank you, Fury, uh, regarding the last night of Brian Fury's career last December. That was released by Strong Style Brand. You can find it on YouTube.com slash Strong Style. And I really enjoyed the you documentary. Can hear, you can hear lots of comments from Mike Crockett about his good friend Brian. Oh. Yeah, I, I was Wait, not. You, uh, didn't, you didn't make the cut. <laughs> well, there was nothing to cut, right? I was never asked. It was no, no. Uh, well, they asked me if you'd like to talk, and I said, "Well, he gets a little nervous when the when the spotlight's on him." So. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have been they'd have put you in front of the camera. You'd been sweating bullets. You'd have <laughs> I did make a couple appearances, though. I, 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 I there was a, a perfect high five that was captured on film between myself and the firebrand. Did it capture you blowing up? 
I haven't watched it. No, so it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. There's no evidence of that. Mike Mills of the Booking Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. No evidence of me blowing up during that know. match. All the video I've seen of it and all the pictures I've seen, you were so purple-faced. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Uh, you can look for yourself, folks. It's YouTube.com slash Strong Style. Thank You Fury is the name of the documentary. It's about 45 minutes long. It's a great look at the career of our friend Brian Fury. And, of course, you can uh, listen to last week's episode on the NAI Network to hear Brian Fury's thoughts on that documentary. Uh, also, Brian, the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. It's up. It's there. It is ready for purchase on ProWrestlingTees.com. I they sold out by now. No, they're, they're, they're never ending. They, oh, just keep, right. they can just keep on just cranking them out. that big royalty check here soon from... Uh from the New Age Insiders. Yeah, where are we going to go for lunch? McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's com slash New Age Insiders. We are in the New Age Insiders store, and thank you to them for that. The Curtain Jerker t-shirt. Who runs it, that bank account? Who'd be giving us the money? If it's Neville, we're never going to see a penny of it. Uh, uh, well, I think it is Neville. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. we're not going to ever see a penny of that t-shirt money. He's we're a sketchy gonna, character. We're going to have to make a run over to the uh, New Age Insiders uh, <laughs> mansion there. And... Uh, I'd call, 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 call it more of a compound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to crack some heads to get the uh, to get the Curtain Jerker t-shirt money. So make sure you go to ProWrestlingTees.com to get the uh, new WPAN t-shirt. And we'll have a little news later on uh, that I haven't even informed you of, Brian, of a, of a contest we'll be doing okay. for a Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. You, you like to do this. It's almost like I'm not even part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're here, Brian. You're holding the microphone. <laughs> you. I do what I do when I go to wrestling shows, man. I just show up and be the main event no matter where I am. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Uh, make sure uh, you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the WPAN. And Twitter, we are at the WPAN, of course. And make sure you look at our Instagram. we got some pictures up there. At the WPAN, Nudies? also on Instagram. No, not yet, Brian. I'm, oh. I'm, I got I to work on my uh, <laughs> on my physique a little bit. Your pectorals, yes, <laughs> and everything else. Your latissimus dorsi. Is that? Did I say that right? The what? <laughs> Maybe I didn't say it right. We can cut that. <laughs> Your uh, external occipital protuberance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, no, there's the glutes. Uh, the glutes. You gonna show us the glutes? <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. But uh, that is on Instagram at the WP. Everything at the WPAN. Hey, if you want to see Mike media. Crockett's glutes, uh, <laughs> follow <laughs> us on Instagram. Oh my God! All right, we have someone joining us here. We are joined by a longtime friend and employer of ours, Brian. In 2000, he and a group of investors started chaotic wrestling <laughs> and all these years later the chaos is still thriving and this friday night march 17th they are producing their biggest event of the year cold fury for the 16th time and in a new location haverhill massachusetts he is the ceo of chaotic wrestling incorporated and i know this because i created the business cards he is <laughs> jamie jamikowski hello sir well thank you for that amazing introduction michael it was right on top of my head brian uh, brian jamie jamie <laughs> You are Jamie. Yes, I am. Okay. Nice, nice to meet you. Nice to be nice to meet you as well. Uh, Let's get right down to it. Everybody wants to know where's Randy Miller. <laughs> I, w I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I, I haven't spoken to Randy Miller since just before uh, Cold Fury Ten. Goodness. CFX. Really? He yeah. He was kind of the the face of chaotic wrestling in the early years. You know, the face of management. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Randy. Randy and I. We started the company. Yeah. He was the face of the company. He really did most of the work to get Chaotic Wrestling set up originally. And then he became, I don't want to call it on screen because we weren't on TV. He was, you kind of were on TV, were you not? Yeah, I guess we were. We were on, uh, was that WUNI? Worcester, Boston, right? The, <laughs> the old, Spanish channel? The old Spanish channel. Univision, yeah. 
Run Univision, then we moved to WNDS, the winds of New Hampshire. <laughs> but yeah, Randy was uh, Randy was the face of the company, and he kind of became a character with some others. And yes. then right around, I want to say, probably Cold Fury 3, between 2 and 3, is when Randy left the company. And you kind of... And uh, I took over, and the rest has been a glorious, wonderful history <laughs> yeah. for the past 13, 14 years. So, yeah, I mean, saying that Randy Miller was the face of the company, when I kind of first was around you, Jamie, it was at your birthday party at Jillian's in Boston. <laughs> My 30th birthday party. Yeah, I remember that. And and I, I, I was told, okay, hey, we're going to Jamie's birthday party. And I'm kind of like... I don't know if I've ever met Jamie. Because <laughs> really? I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, the guy that talked to the talent was Randy, right? And you were, I'm sure you were there and you were around, but I never really had spoken to you. But yeah, at the time there were actually four owners of Chaotic. It was Randy and I, Milo, and another guy Ben, who Ben came on later because Ben was more of a business guy and Ben was the guy who put together business plans and all of that. And we were kind of the four working together. And I, I remember that time period because that was my thirtieth birthday. At, at Jillian's. Yes. So I kind of remember the time. I didn't realize that's where you and I first met. Yeah, well, I first met you and handed you a birthday card. That's wow. <laughs> <laughs> we gazed at each other across well, a... What would you put in the card? Was there a gift? Was there... I don't even remember. I'm Crockett sure. has not put a gift in my card for, for, <laughs> for 14 years wonder, to 15 wonder, years. I wonder why it took you a decade to become senior official. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's like a block of McDonald's gift certificates or something like that. Yeah, there might have been some, some happy bucks or something. <laughs> yeah, the, the McBucks or whatever. The McBucks, exactly. With, yeah. I mean, how did you first... Uh, Jamie was running things when you came around, Brian? Uh, no, no. Nope. Randy was around. Uh, I think the first interaction I ever had, I called you Randy. I, uh, <laughs> I asked you about yeah. Ring Crew or something. And you're like, yeah, that's fine, but I'm Jamie. I was like, oh, nice, okay. all right. Cool. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't remember interacting with you a ton until I actually got on the roster. Right. No, I remember you like around, like, because you came on board when we started the CTC. Yeah. When we, we kind of, when Mike Hollow broke off from Kowalski's and we started our own school. You were in the first batch of students, right? You were, right, you were yeah. at the initial. Yep, came in. Well, the school opened September. I, I I sat and watched for two months, and I started in November. Right, but so. I remember like a bunch of guys who were already training, kind of for lack of a better word, transferred over. Yeah, they came but you were one of the first guys who actually signed up yeah. with us. Yeah, I'm one of like the and first. So I can, again, guys. I kind of remember you peripherally early on. Like I remember you being there. I remember you know as you kind of got started and that kind of stuff. But then I would say that you and I probably got to know each other probably when you start it's probably when like fat pants and mucko stopped booking and you kind of took right. over like when you were like starting like with the lost souls you and um yeah you and pd yeah starting right around little, there probably a little past that more like i think probably more when i was like new england champion yeah I okay yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah because <laughs> who'd you beat for the uh, new england championship Tony Omega, that's I think, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had to think for a second. Yep. That's, uh, that's around the time I, I, uh, met, I met your parents for the first time. And how did uh, you greet them? <laughs> uh, his, Jamie's parents. Uh, for those that don't know, Jamie's parents started uh, a company from the ground up and were I've literally become they were they were a success story because they came from humble beginnings and literally made themselves into millionaires and uh, lifestyles of the rich and famous and built a, an incredible business and so they walk into the locker room and I didn't know who the hell they were because I'd never met Jamie's parents we weren't really friends yet right. at that point. Right. 
and she goes <laughs> and Jen, and uh, Jamie's mom goes oh who are you I go I'm the Cat Crossing New England champion who the hell are you <laughs> that's right <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe you were going to say like you got security and said get these two mocks out of the locker room. Like, if, and, and if any, anybody who knows your mom like yeah. is absolutely yeah. loving that, that oh, yeah. story right absolutely <laughs> but but you know but you have you, you to, then and now you still have those dimples so it was okay yeah. Yeah, my mom still likes you don't yeah <laughs> do we want to talk about chaotic wrestling's humble beginnings <laughs> no no <laughs> if i have the option i'm gonna go with no um he's not gonna give you the option all right <laughs> yeah Cro- we Crockett asked these questions but you don't really have a choice. The questions are more rhetorical because he's going to ask no okay. matter what you say. I get it. I, I listen to you, but I've never actually been on the spot. So now I'm starting to get the hang of this. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, we were we had, we had very humble beginnings. I Recently, I told the story where there, we decided to do very early on a Thursday night show in Methuen, Massachusetts, where we drew 18 people. Uh-huh. And I remember at the end of the show, Milo, one of the partners, just bought a beer for everybody. In the crowd because we felt so bad. So we actually... Kids, kids included. Kids everybody. We actually lost... We lost more money. What I wanted to get them to do was there was a card tournament. There's a little local game in this area called 45s. In the other room of the nights that night, there was a 45s tournament going on. And I grew up playing 45s. I was trying to convince Milo and Ben to give me the cash box for my entrance fee and let me go play in the 45s tournament because we could have made more money with me in the other room than we were ever going to make in the Chaotic Wrestling Show in the main room. But those those were some of our humble beginnings. But we came out of the gate really strong. I've told the story in other places before. There was a um, a Nesson special. Yes. Uh, Ringmaster. What, what was it called? Ringmaster sounds right. Ringmaster something in wrestling in New England. And somehow Randy Miller got in touch with the producers and the creators of that special. And even though we hadn't run a show yet, we hadn't done anything. They were covering us like we were the biggest company in New England. And I remember they came to our shows. They were filming and. They were shooting our shows, you know, shows where we had nobody in the crowd. They were ignoring that and still talking about how great we were and letting us talk about how great we were. And what that did was that got us a lot of attention locally and a lot of hatred locally right out of the (laughs) gate. Every promoter in New England hated us instantly, which is ironic because we hadn't done anything. I could even argue that if if local promoters had been smart, if they had really wanted to get rid of us, they probably could have put their boot on our throats right then because it was all smoke and mirrors. And we were... We weren't successful for the first, really, I'm going to say year and a half, two years. We were just struggling trying to figure all this out. Remember, none of us none of us had ever been to indie wrestling shows. I grew up in North Reading, and I never knew Kowalski's school was that close. I used to read when I was in college. Kowalski used to have an article in the Herald? You know, Boston Herald like on Saturdays. And I would read that. And then I also remember there was a short-lived sports paper called uh, The National. It was a spinoff of USA Today. And like every Tuesday, they would have like a behind the scenes, a, a rumors article about pro wrestling. And I remember I'd always run out to the campus store. I went to school in upstate New York like every Tuesday just to read about it. And that's actually where I first found out about Kowalski's. But I've said before, the first indie wrestling show I ever went to in my life was one I owned. Yeah. And that's how we got our start. So we knew nothing. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. Were you all WWE fans or? Uh, yeah, I was all WWE. Yeah. I, I had never. The only way I knew about. NWA, Southern Wrestling, Mid-South, Georgia, all that stuff was I used to buy the magazines at like CVS, whatever the drugstore, Osco Drugs, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I would read about the Ric Flair's and the Dusty Roads. And like sometimes you'd come across them, like you'd be flipping around the channels late at night and you'd see wrestling and be like, oh, what's this? Because I didn't know them, but I was all WWF. 
So when you had your first show and your first independent show, was it a sh- kind of a shock? Where, I mean, I remember you guys did things like you gave people contracts to you know be part of chaotic wrestling. Was now I see what he does. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> I see what he does. Is, is that the pro- that's probably what got you guys the most heat, right? The contracts at that point. Yeah. Um. Brilliant idea. Wrong timing and not understanding the environment. What we did was. We figured the way we could be better than everybody else in New England was we would grab the eight or ten of the best wrestlers in New England, sign them under exclusive contracts. And what we would do is we would pay them a flat fee monthly, no matter how many shows we ran, no matter how many appearances we did, uh, they would get paid a flat fee on the condition that they wouldn't work anywhere else. That is a great plan if you're going to run eight to ten shows a month and do tons of appearances. What we did was we signed them all, then we ran, and we paid them you know, four times their going rate, five times their going rate, and we'd run one show a month. And when your show is your only source of revenue, we had some t-shirts and stuff, but when basically your show is your only source of revenue at that point, you're going to hemorrhage money early. On top of that, what we didn't realize was the independent scene wasn't, I just said I was a WWF fan, independent scene and independent business-wise, it's different because what happens in most of the companies, even to this day, is a lot of fans come to see the company. You, it's great when you have the right people in the company, but really, whether you're us, whether you're one of the other companies, the, the faces can change on the shows, but fans of the company will still keep coming. So we didn't really put anybody out of business by taking these eight or 10 guys because they just went and got new local guys. And when you're drawing, at the time, you know, 50 to 75 people on some of these shows... They could book any eight or 10 guys, you know, eight, 10, 12 guys that weren't the 10 we had. They didn't hemorrhage money. And, and that was, like I said, it was a right idea, wrong execution, because you see it now. Yeah, the, in, the indies at that point are not, like, the indies are like a friggin' thing now. Like, they, it's like a cool yeah. hipster sort of, like, the indies are a thing. Back then, the indies were the absolute dregs of wrestling and it was it's kind of the base of you've seen the movie the wrestler i think i i think the wrestler and the way they kind of portrayed the indies is what that era of indies was like i think it was i think that's the image of like that era of the indies you know 30 or 40 people um just awful talent guys working for free because they sold some ticket or you know in the 90s, they had all the sold shows, and Kowalski was doing these gyms where they'd bang them out, 1,000 people and stuff like that. And then once the like that whole telemarketing thing died out, that's kind of where we were, where we're talking about now, which is just Yeah, just running, local guys, yeah. backyard guys. And it was... It was oh my god! I mean, now it's funny. I, I joke around and say, but like now, it doesn't matter what the promotion is. You just throw up a ring in an indie show, and you automatically draw like 125, right. 150 people, no matter how bad or good the show is. Like it's it's crazy right now. Just the climate is different. And I agree. I think the contracts. Uh, I, I yeah, wrong time, but right idea. I don't think it's all that different from what like Evolve and Ring of Honor is yeah. doing right now. I, I think it, I think what they're doing and the way they sign guys is is along the same lines um, Mm -hmm. as what your guys thought was. I actually think, and Brian, you and I have had this conversation, not here. I think, and here will be my first self-serving pat on the back to Chaotic of the day. (laughs) First of many, I'm sure. I actually think Chaotic, we've done a lot of really smart things, a lot of really a lot of innovative things, a lot of groundbreaking things. Our timing has just been a little bit off, you know, from the contracts to having a school and a promotion tied in together where you have people that you, bring in early, kind of train your way, 
they work mostly your shows exclusively, and now you have all your costs and all of that combined also with different people of different sizes and shapes. We were just time drawing, you know, as the you were coming the, up. The, 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 the touch on school for one second, the, the, the setup of the school is also very different than what you would think traditional wrestling schools would be. If you saw like Beyond the Mat, it was a, a garage. If you right. saw some of the other stuff, it was a warehouse. Like the, the CTC, well, now it's in EPWA, but it's a two-ring facility with a lounge and an office, right. and it's like it's like a nice facility. That was very unusual for right. pro wrestling school at that point in time. So we were just, I think our timing was just off. You know, Brian, you know as well as anybody. Um, I'm sure we can both still recite it. There was a stretch of period where we were very successful feeding talent to WWE or attempting to feed talent to WWE, but there were limitations on what they would take or look at. And it was, what was it, 6'2", 6'4", 240. I was going to say 6'2", 220, 6'4", We're within two inches and 20 pounds. But that's what they were looking for. Whereas if we could somehow, you know, shift the, you know, if we could do a, uh, a Legends of Tomorrow time jump here where we could move our company forward 10 years or move WWE back 10 years. I think we you would see a completely different level for chaotic wrestling. Yeah, there's a lot of guys like and like a guy like John Walters, for example. Yeah, we who, said this. Who had success, but John Walters, if he were, you know, he kind of still wrestles, but not really. But if John were 28, 29 right now, John would be making a shit ton of money in in professional wrestling right but now. But at the same time, but you don't don't discount yourself. I think if the if the era were different, I think right now you handsome Logans would be the Kevin Owens, the the Seth Rollins, the Gallows and Anderson of WWE. It was they just weren't looking at the time that, no, that we were there. It, it wasn't even they weren't looking. They just wouldn't even give you, they wouldn't even give you a chance. Right. No, it, it, <laughs> and it was frustrating for everybody, you know, as 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 much as we talk about this, you know, I'm sure it was frustrating for you guys who who were in the ring and wanted to be performers more than anything. For me as a business guy, sometimes it was like banging your head against the wall because you could you could see what we had, but because they didn't fit this little perfect profile at the time, we couldn't we couldn't do what we wanted to do either. So it just kind of sucked all around. Yeah, the guys I think of is Walters, Vitalo, Arch, you know, the guys they were looking at. I mean, they took Aaron Stevens, you know, they took him pretty early. He's taller. Yeah, right. yeah, Aaron's Aaron's a really big guy, really big guy, but um, I mean, the two that really stand out to me are Vicalo and Walters. Um, right. I mean, Arch was a character, but you no know, offense to Arch, but he wasn't the greatest in the ring. Um, but you're not surprising anybody <laughs> with that statement. <laughs> but like Walters and Vicalo specifically, like I and, and John's. I mean, John and uh, Ortiz too. Yep. Uh, Ortiz is another dude. I think um, uh, and Louis still wrestling and still you know still in good shape and and still puts on great matches, but. Um, you know he's another Louis and 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 John uh, guy. So I think if the prime of their careers are right now, they they would be they would be guys making money. Well, there's a story, and again, I don't know if you've told it on the podcast before, but there's a story where somebody else got signed at a dark match because he was in the ring with John Walters. And is that not Antonio Thomas? I believe is that it was the Antonio Thomas yeah. story. And I'm pretty sure, as I've heard the story, and again, we all know that the wrestling world is like the worst game of telephone. You know, so and so tells and the story gets diluted by the time it gets to you. But from what I hear is, from what I've heard, the version of the story is he was in the ring with John, having a great match in a dark match. Vince walked by the monitor and basically said, "Oh yeah, sign the kid on the left." Which was Antonio. Yeah, I mean, not- Antonio Thomas looked like a, a friggin' Greek, Greek Adonis. Right, yeah. right. I mean, but he was very green. Uh, yeah, yeah, correct. But just the look on and the look and charisma um, that Antonio Thomas had was just, I mean, I mean Chad Wicks got a contract. 
And that's a completely other story for for <laughs> for another day. Am I shit factor? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned uh, Louis Ortiz in there, Demon Ortiz now, but uh, Latin Fury Louis Ortiz. That's kind of the origin of the first Cold Fury. We're kind of getting into Cold Fury yes. here because Cold Fury 16 is coming up this Friday, March 17th in Haverhill, Massachusetts. So where did the whole Cold Fury thing come from? Uh, Cold Fury, you just hit the nail on the head. We yeah. knew going into it that it was going to be uh, Ronnie Delicious versus Louis Ortiz. Ronnie Delicious. Ronnie Delicious. <laughs> um, at our first big show, and it was going to be in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and I, I guess at that point, if I do my math right, Chaotic had been around for about a year, year and a half. This is the first time we had really built to a show. And the way Cold Fury came about was it's, it was it's sheer brilliance. We knew Latin Fury, Louis Ortiz, was going to win. It was one of those moments in professional Wait, wrestling. You knew, you knew he was going to win? We knew. We had a very good <laughs> suspicion. Um, it was one of those things where looking back, we, we were telegraphing it from three months out what was going to happen. And... We didn't name our shows. There were some companies locally who would name every every show they did would have some cool name. We had done two to that point. We did Dragonfire when we brought in Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to Wonderland in Revere. And this is going to be the second one we did. So the, my brilliant marketing mind said, okay, Latin Fury is going over. It's December and it's cold out. <laughs> we're going to call it Cold Fury. And, and it's stuck. And, and it's really crazy for me that a silly name that came up Literally, that was my entire thought process. Latin Fury's going over. It's December and it's cold. We're going to call it Cold Fury. <laughs> I think the more interesting part of this, and I was thinking about this last night and on the ride over when I was knew we were coming on today, is I think what goes unrecognized. If you watch Cold Fury, the first one now, I'm not sure how great it stands up as a show. Even production-wise, I'm not loving it. On the, uh, <laughs> what? That's a reference what? to uh, the any the, to the Nesson special. <laughs> yes. You have to go and take a look at that. Ring but uh, you know, it was old footage. I think we used to shoot on like little digital tape, so it's grainy. It's it's not great. But I've I put eyes on that show before, and I'm not sure if it's uh you know it's not exactly going to be up there with some of the great wrestling classics of all time. <laughs> What's interesting is I didn't realize this, this until I was looking at it. That really marked where we were starting to make a transition from that first group of chaotic guys into what I guess we would call the Kowalski guys. Because if you look on that show, that's where Aaron kind of first had a featured spot because he was with the One Night Stand. Uh, that's I think uh, Damien Sandow Damien, and Aaron Rex now, TNA. And then I believe John John and uh, Vince Vicalo won the tag team titles that night. Yes. I believe one Uncle of them. Fury won they did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And I think one of them worked double duty that night. Walters won the TV title as well. Right, right. Yeah. I, knew, I knew one of them worked double duty that night. Wow, you wouldn't get the uh, results. I have the results here, yes. <laughs> um, but that's where we had Arch versus Dukes with yes. with an unfortunate, two unfortunate was incidents. Spanking? Was that a spanking match? That was, well, yes. That was spanking, boobs out, and uh, one the, of the greatest bumps you've ever seen outside the ring well, in, the history, in the history of the wrestling business. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I should probably bring up the Arch Kincaid at this time. This is, uh, he was the light heavyweight champion. And he was using a, a, a gimmick where he had a protective cup that he called Sir Jocko, basically a, a ripoff of Mr. Socko, where he would pull his jock, his, he would pull his... Um, Coxygen mask? Yes. Oh. He would, God, I forgot all of He this. would pull the, the cup out of his pants and put it over the guy's face, and that was his finish. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been built up um, where... Uh. My, Michael, as a referee, how was that legal? 
Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what happened <laughs> at Cold Fury One. But uh, the he this match, he uh, it had come down to the point where he is not allowed to have this cup. He is not allowed. And so uh, originally, the senior official of Chaotic Wrestling at the time, Richard Lannon, was supposed to do this spot, but he claimed religious reasons that he could not do this spot I'm going to talk about. So <laughs> I ended up refereeing this match between Dukes, Dalton, and Arch Kincaid. And the pre-match ceremony was myself as the referee was going to check (laughs) Arch's trunks to make sure he didn't have this cup. And he did. So I put on two gloves that I happened to have in my back pocket, two rubber gloves, and I pulled open Arch's trunks, and I reached down, and I grabbed the cup. And uh, thankfully, I just grabbed the cup, and I pulled it out. So yes, I was was tasked to do that once the original referee. It was a different time and era. Folks, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go on record. You know, we can have a discussion about my booking abilities on another day. At this time, Randy Miller was still booking chaotic wrestling. This does not have my <laughs> this does not have my fingerprints, literally or figuratively, on this one at all. No, it's all my fingerprints. My, 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 finger, Michael's. my fingerprints are all over that cup. <laughs> so yeah, that that was that. And then uh, Jamie also the main event as we talked about uh, Ortiz versus Ronnie Delicious. There was a stipulation. In yes. this match, and do you want to talk about a how the stipulation voted came to be? Stipulation. Yes. What happened was, and again, it, it's been a while, and Randy was kind of doing the booking at this point in time. And sometimes I think the chaotic approach at that point, going into that Cold Fury, it was let's see how much we can throw against the wall and see what sticks. And we're in this weird transition period, and the most over guys in our company were the One Night Stand, Ronnie D and Edward G. And somehow, I think, if I remember correctly, they didn't want to re-sign their contract, which we can review, which is stupid on every level that we had contracts and they didn't want to re-sign them. So we knew Cold Fury was going to be their last show. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, it's decided we're going to put a, a stipulation on the match. And we must have done it on, I mean, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't, so we must have done it online. I believe it was chaoticwrestling.com. Right? We probably put a poll on chaoticwrestling.com, and it was... What kind of stipulation would you like to see in the main event? And what were the choices, Michael? You'll remember. I think there was a was there a steel cage match on there. Was probably it a steel ladder cage, match? ladder, no DQ, and lumberjack. Yes. And it was like steel cage got fifty six percent of the vote. Uh, ladder match got twenty two percent of the vote. No holds barred got third, and and lumberjack match got three percent of the vote. Yes. So in the main event, Ronnie Delicious <laughs> versus Latin Fury Lewis Ortiz. In a lumberjack match for three percent of the vote, <laughs> fans voted. So, two people were really, really happy that night, just thrilled. And I'm convinced those those two people were were Louie and Ronnie because they didn't want to do any of the other stipulations. So they voted, and, and son of a bitch, it won. But and it was terrible. Like I said, that that Cold Fury doesn't exactly hold up to the tests of time. I was there. I was in the crowd. Yeah, me and uh, Clean. <laughs> I think I think Adult was in the crowd that night too. And uh, so was Sheldon Goldberg. Was he really? Didn't you guys? Yeah, you guys invited him. He was the he's the promoter of NECW, and I believe uh, Randy Miller invited him to see what Catholic Wrestling can do. And so the, he came in and sat down and watched the show. I forgot that part. <laughs> yeah, I, but now it brings back some memories too. Yeah, <laughs> but like I said, what, what I found most interesting about that is, and I was talking to Brian earlier. As you know, I start to talk about Cold Fury. If I, I thank the Lord. I thought for sure I was going to show up here and like Mike Crocker was going to do the, you know, and now we have 
Jamie Jamikowski, the Cold Fury Pop Quiz. We're like, he was going to start throwing matches at me. Or, well, that comes later. Or I even yeah. dreaded, believe it or not, how, how, how afraid of Michael I am and how paranoid I am. I actually studied up on all the Cold Fury names. Like the subtitles, in case you Jeez. quizzed me on those. I don't even know those. I have them all down here. Of course you do. Well, but you I came up with like half of them. I did, yeah. And, and some of them, we'll talk about Cold Fury 8 at some point, my favorite one ever. But, um, but what I realized, so I studied, and what I realized was, you know, we're, we're doing Cold Fury 16 on, on March 17th in Haverhill. What I find interesting is you can almost lay out the different eras of chaotic wrestling. When you start at one, like one through three, that was when it was really, we started to get those Kowalski guys in, and the CTC had just started. So you're seeing a lot of John Walters, Vince Vicalo, um, Scarecrow. Believe it or not, I think Adam Booker's first Cold Fury was supposed to be Cold Fury 2, but he was injured. So his regular partner, Frankie Armadillo, worked with uh, Arch Kincaid that night. All right, yes. But you start to see all those core guys who came over from Kowalski's, Dukes, Arch, when you start to get to, that was like one through three, like four through seven, that's almost what I would call like the Kettner years. That's where we were working a lot with Kettner and the ECWA, and you saw valedictorians. At the same time, that was when kind of your group, Brian, from the CTC, you, Psycho, Handsome, Logans, Chase, Tommaso, Max, that's where you guys started to come through. Then like eight through 10, eight through 11, that's where we started to mix in the old WFA and Bradley guys. That's where you started to see Al and Brian Fury and Nikki Rocks. Then you start to get to 11 through 14. Now you're starting to see that, that, that group of Mercedes and Sherman and Slade and that group. Now we're kind of in this, this next wave with kind of our current roster. Right. And I mean, talking about all these names, a lot of guys, uh, future stars that appeared on Cold Fury events. <coughs> Well, I mean, you're a current star, Brian. <laughs> uh, Darren Young, of course, formerly known as Fred Bonecrusher Sampson yeah. for Chaotic Wrestling. Uh, you mentioned Mercedes, Sasha Banks. Uh, Robbie E., who was one of the valedictorians you just mentioned. Uh, right. uh, of course, Damian Sandow. Kenny from the Spirit Squad. Kenny from the Spirit Squad. Ken Phoenix. He was on a Cold Fury. Yes. With his manager, Sparkles, if I remember correctly. I believe so. And of right. course, uh, yeah, Max, you talked about. Mickey Keegan from NXT. Roxy, who is Nikki Rocks. Tommaso Ciampa. Orny Larkin. That's right. Is that how you say his name? Oni Lorkin? Oni Lorkin. I think so, yeah. Biff Busick, uh, Matt Taven. Uh, I mean, so many guys that kind of came Warbeard through. Warbeard Hanson? Well, I mean, he's he's still appearing. <laughs> Did you mention uh, true, Sean Bennett and, and Danny E to WWE Raw refs? That's true, yes. I was, I was surprised those were the first he mentioned. Michael, you think Michael it been. likes you're the breakdown ta- referees. You're supposed to take care of your own, aren't you, Michael? <laughs> I really should have. Uh, yeah, I didn't have those down here, but thank you for picking me up there. You're welcome. That's what, That's what we're here for. The early, early Cold Furies, you know, your first one was at the uh, Lawrence Elks. Cold Fury 2 was at the North Andover Middle School. And the thing that, that I remember from that is our friend Eric. Uh, yes. Mucko, who's uh, passed on not too long ago. Uh, he was booking at the time with uh, Todd Sinclair. And the main event was a ladder match. I guess it must have won the poll this time, this <laughs> really, second <man>? year. <laughs> really? <laughs> so it was uh, it was uh, John Walter versus Vince Vicalo, and they're on top of the ladder, reaching for the belt, and John threw powder at Vicalo, and then he hit him with the chair. Yes. But the the shot with the chair didn't look good. It was bad. No, you're missing the better parts of this story because there are that? two parts of this. Number one, it was Cold Fury Two, last call. Thank you. And our dearly beloved and dearly departed Eric. 
He named it Last Call. So we have him to blame for all the Cold Fury names <laughs> since then. He started it, and we just... Because he did the first two. He did Last Call and Shoots and Ladders. Yes. And after that, we were forced then to come up with terrible names except for Cold Fury 7. Yes. And that was the only one that wasn't named. Mm-hmm. Better part of that story. So uh, Last Call, Ladder Match, John and Jay. Um, and this was really the first time we had built to a Cold Fury. Cold Fury 1 kind of built to it, but it just kind of happened... And it's basically all around the main event. Right. This one, this is where we actually had multiple storylines paying off at a big show. This is where we established Cold Fury 2 was where we established Cold Fury as our big show of the year. So now they're going to do this ladder match. And now we've also moved into a gym. We're in that North Andover Middle School gym. And we go by ladders. And actually, Milo went and bought the ladders. And again, we didn't know how high the ceiling was. And we had this guy named Ethan. Who Ethan would would was Tolly. a guy who would help us rig when we had to hang a belt, he would help us with rigging the belt so it could hang above the rim. And Ethan had these these big setups with these cables and this and a winch that could go up and down. In subsequent years, when we had to do a ladder match, it involved a rope and a belt where we would literally <laughs> one of us would be like like an old Batman trying to <laughs> throw the thing around a lasso, loop it up over a beam, get it down, pull it up, and the belt would have to hang there from the beginning of the show. And honestly. It worked just as well as the, the, the lighting and rigging. So now Milo goes and buys. I want to get this right. He buys like a 15-foot ladder. And we talk to everybody. How high should it be? And they kind of eyeball it. Great. So we buy a 15-foot ladder. Well, how high is the ring, Brian? Probably about three and a half feet off the ground. Three and a half. Uh, yeah. Give, right? or, yeah, give, give or, or take. Somewhere in there. Three, we'll, we'll call it three, four feet off the ground. We bring the ladder in, throw the belt up there, and bring a 15-foot ladder. Vince Vicel climbs the ladder because this is the spot for the end of the show. He won't go more than halfway up the ladder. He's terrified. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely terrified. He's like, he's like, Daddy, I can't do this. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, it's too high. No, I'm not going up there. <laughs> and we're like, you have to. He's like, no. Milo had to run out, return the first three ladders we bought, and come back with like 10-foot ladders that Jay was more comfortable with. And then Ethan had to re-switch up everything. And Milo went back. He returns the ladders. And I, he came back. And I'm like, well, what'd you tell them? He's like, I'm driving over there. I had all these convoluted you know, things. I was going to tell him why we couldn't use the ladders. And finally, he's like, walked up. And I'm like, yeah, I own a wrestling company. We had a ladder match. My guy's too much of a pussy to get climb with ladders. I need new ones. <laughs> and that, that was how we got the ladders exchanged and, and you, brought them over. And you kind of jolt to my memory here. And the reason that that chair shot at the end wasn't great was that Vicalo's head was in line with the top of the ladder. Correct. He didn't get any higher. His head didn't come up higher right. than where the top of the ladder was. So when he hit him with the cherry, uh, all he did really was hit the top part of the ladder and didn't really hit Vicalo in the head with the ladder why would you with agree, the chair. Why would you agree to do a ladder match if you're that afraid of doing a ladder match? And that's where you bring our, our, our old booker, Mucko, into it, who he, he had he had built to this spot. He had been looking forward his whole life to being a wrestling booker and paying it off for one of his favorite guys, John Walters. Mucko lost his mind. Well, I mean, I think it was he, he buried his face into the wall for like 15 <laughs> minutes and didn't move. He did his, his head against the wall. <laughs> like, and, and, and wait a minute. Correct me if my, my memory's wrong. Because of the school, wasn't Tom Pritchard involved yes. in booking the finish. I think he was. Yeah. I think there was a different finish booked, or it might have all tied back into Vicalo not wanting to climb and being a little bit nervous. So Dr. Tom helped put together the finish, which then when that didn't go right, that just sent that might have been what sent Mucko 
I you know, face right. down into the wall. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> also, that night, that was the night when Randy Miller announced that Arch would be becoming the sexual intellectual, I believe. Well, thank goodness. That's where he made that transition. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> See, as bad as, it, as it's gotten, and there are, we could all talk story about chaotic wrestling and cold furies for, for 15 years. Anybody who's on the roster now, who's been on the roster with me for the past decade, thank God you weren't there back then because come on <laughs> sexual intellectuals and uh, just dancing dukes daltons <laughs> and i and i want to go on record and tell you guys i will personally sponsor the wpan podcast when you can get duke Dalton on here <laughs> i i would i will personally pay to, to sponsor that one. Oh my goodness we'll have to work on that <laughs> uh, I, I think here we should talk about the lowell PAV, the Polish American Veterans Club in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, that is the venue for Cold Fury 3 and like most of the Cold Furies. Right. Um, 10? 11? Uh, 12, I think. 12? Because 13 is the first one and Drake it at the. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, the vast majority were at this building, the Lowell PAV. And it's kind of, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of a necessity to find a building with a tall ceiling because right. you were doing a ladder match, and um, I think another wrestling company was was running air, air this quote, air quotes wrestling company <laughs> <Right>. was running <laughs> this venue, and I I had been there, and I think Adult had been there too. Adult, sure. Mark Mark Douglas, who is uh, also a part of Chaotic Wrestling, and he kind of secured this building. And I think this building holds a lot of memories for all of us, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's when I. Think of the large majority of uh, my wrestling career. It, it was probably spent uh, getting mesothelioma and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you can contact. Yeah, mesothelioma. The PAV. The smell of smell of stale cigarettes and broken dreams. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just in the bar portion. <laughs> That building no. still standing? Is it? It do is. We know? It's still standing, I, but it's unoccupied. I actually went by there last night just because I knew we would be talking about it today. And yes, the bar portion there is a uh, a piece of wood that's covered it. It's you know it's all covered. There's no way to get in. But I was there last night. The lights were on inside. Supposedly, last I heard, like a, a church group had purchased it, like one of these new age churches, mm -hmm. and they're going to use it. Because trust me. Every time I'm over in that neck of the woods, um, I'll still swing by and see if I can see any lights on and try to find out, is there anybody in there? And can we get in there one more time? Because that was my biggest disappointment with the PAV, is that the way they sold and shut down, we got no notice because I would have liked to have run one more yeah, show. Yeah, the dude emailed building. me. You were, you were, you were, I was in Hawaii. Yeah, you were in Hawaii. And the dude emails me. And I was like, at that point, I, I was, I was, I mean, at that point, especially I was doing a lot of day-to-day yeah. -day yeah. stuff yeah. with chaotic wrestling. And I, and I kind of said to him, he said it was urgent. I said, well, Jamie's in Hawaii. And I think it was, it was like in the morning. Yeah. So it was like, you know, Hawaii's six hours behind. Yep. So I'm like, but, I, you know, you can talk to me. What's going on? And the dude's like, oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, we sold the building uh, and you guys can't have any more shows here. And uh, that's like effective immediately. I was like, oh. We had a show coming up like three weeks later. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had to. Somehow try to get in touch with you. And, yeah, yeah, but our, our first show at the Lowell PAV was Cold Fury 3. We were building up to Cold Fury 3, Shoots and Ladders, John Walters versus Louis Ortiz in a submission ladder match of some sort. And we didn't have a venue, nothing. We had no leads, nothing. And then, as you said, Mark Douglas, who's one of the co-owners, one of my partners in Chaotic Wrestling, he came to me. I remember I was at the CTC one night on a Tuesday, and he called me. He's like, I may have found a building. And the way he found it was, he was in 
Brian, like before fantasy baseball, what was it called? Not Stratomatic Baseball League with some people in Lowell and they did their draft or they had some kind of a meeting at this Lowell PAV. And then he went to a wrestling show with you there or something. And so I remember Tuesday night, I hopped in my car. We met met at a restaurant in Tewksbury. Car pulled over because to this day, as many times we've run in Lowell, there are two places I can get to in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, the Spinner Stadium and the PAV. <laughs> Any place else, I get lost like crazy whenever I'm in Lowell. Those are the only two places I know how to get Lowell's to. Lowell's not a place you want to get lost. No. <laughs> yeah, it so, wasn't in a great neighborhood. It no, great neighborhood. no. So we, um, I, I hop in an adult's car. We drive over there. And sure enough, it was that great little room. And for those of you, you know, go on chaoticwrestling.com. Uh, look at any old Cold Fury pictures, any pictures at all. It was just this great room with kind of a high ceiling. It had a good feel to it. I know, Mike, you were kind of involved in the area. I think there used to be a building down in Waltham that kind of had a similar feel to it that somebody used to run in. It was just a great building for wrestling. And at the time, you know, whether we had, if we had a light crowd where we only had 7580, and I'm looking at Brian now because I think you'll attest to this. If we had 7580 in there or when we would push fire codes and have 250 in there, <laughs> the, building, the building still felt felt and sounded big yeah. and, and full. Yeah, two two fifty. There was a cold fury or two where we were over three, and there was, was like, not. Like there's, there's no proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> the the guardrails like literally up against uh, the. Ring. So you talk like beyond wrestling now does the right. like like the fans right against the ring. But I feel like we were the originators yeah. of that and a couple cold furies because there's a couple where the first row could have reached into yeah. the ring at any point they wanted to. I, I think there's still a fire marshal in Lowell that's looking for me to this day about those <laughs> like those we, cold furies. Nobody could nobody could fight on the outside and you couldn't like even like go like you. Barely go around right. to like slap five because like, there was no room. We had to pull everything in so tight because there's so many people. But that night for Cold Fury Three, I remember Adult and I, or Mark and I, rode over there, and there was another company running there, and the people who ran it were a little hesitant, you know, about well wrestling, and we already had this one company. Fortunately, for those of you who are listening closely, my last name is Jamitkowski, <laughs> and my father served in Vietnam, and we're in a Polish American Veterans Club. <laughs> Ironically, a week later, my dad and I stopped by the PAV for a beer so I can introduce him. And all of a sudden, they were much more open <laughs> to letting Chaotic Wrestling run there. And, and then, yada, yada, yada. Your dad's still a member today. <laughs> exactly. Well, un- and you know, my dad, he's, my dad's done really well. He lives, he's retired. He lives very comfortably. Um, he still does get on me that up until they closed, he had to pay those annual dues of $50 every year to stay, <laughs> to stay a member. But, uh, but no, they were, they were really good to us. And I think, as you guys said... Most of our Cold Fury memories come from the Lowell PAV. I think that's twofold. It's because when I was talking about the eras earlier, Brian, our group, probably the group that we're closest with, that we have most friends with, where we all kind of came up and grew and built Chaotic Wrestling together, that's where all of our Cold Furies were. Yeah, You know, the more recent ones have been fun. I'm sure you love it when we have 500, 700 in a gym. But I think we all kind of will always go back to you know, breaking fire crowds where we had yeah. three. I miss doing shows in that venue. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, at Cold Fury thirteen, as I mentioned, like you, we were pushing the limits of how many people we can allow in to the PAV, and so decided to do the Drake. It, where was it in Drake? It it was a Drake at Middle School. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we moved to a bigger gym, and we had done some gym shows here and there, right, along the way. But this was the first time we moved Cold Fury to it. With not a lot of success, may I say, in the in the gyms. <laughs> yeah, for all the back self high fiving and self back padding I can do for chaotic wrestling, 
that's one thing we've never been great at or we weren't great at for a long time was, you know, the fundraisers, the big gym shows. I can remember what we would refer to as bomb scares. Yeah. You know, yeah. every time we try to do one, <laughs> even ones where, and again, as, as a business guy, there were somewhere on the business end, they were fine, you know, where we, we got paid or we had a guarantee. So Chaotic didn't quote unquote lose money, but it still sucks when you're in a building that holds 700 and you have 125. It just deflates. Yeah, it's a drag. It, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it was a little scary. I mean, even though right. you were, we were banging out 300 in the PAV, we're moving like two miles down the road to Drake it to figure out if we can have more than 300, if we get 400, 500, 600 people in another venue. Um, it was a little scary leading up to it, but uh, as it turns out, uh, we did very, very well. It was over 600 people there, right? Correct. Yeah, that was that was a big one. But again, talk about, you know, when we talk about Tarzan, and I know you and I have talked about him, and I know he's been on your podcast before. I remember Tarzan, I think you were there for one of these battles, where Tarzan was irate that we were moving to Drake it, because, and I quote, Cold Fury has to be in Lowell. He was absolutely adamant that Cold Fury had to be in Lowell. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, like you said, Crockett, it was, it was scary for all of us, as dumb as it sounds, because we move into a gym that holds 700, even if we draw that same 300, 325, you look stupid. You look stupid. It was going to look empty. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was our and, first and, big move. And, and not to speak ill of uh, potential sponsors. What the hell do I care? I'm not I'm an investor in the company, but we didn't get a lot of support from those. Like for oh. people, for people who wanted to raise money for their organization, they weren't like the most motivated people to try to help right. us to help them make money. And those types of relationships work better when, um, yeah. You know, the the sponsor or whoever it is they're trying to raise money gets out there and moves tickets uh, because, you know, there's only so many people that we're, that we're going to bring into right. that, you know, it just it blew my mind. You and that. I have used the phrase, Brian, <laughs> at a number of those. There were some breaking points and some cold furies where you and I would look at each other and we would say, for organizations that want to raise funds, why do they hate money? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> literally, like, we. I remember when we did, not to get off the cold fury, but we did a breaking point in Stoneham. And I remember to get to the venue, you had to drive down this main street and there were no posters up. And I'm thinking, and it was for, that was like for a football and cheer squad. I'm like, oh, and we have 300 athletes. I'm like, everybody put up one poster. The, the town would have been covered. But yeah, or require everybody in the program to sell 10 tickets. Like exactly. something. I mean, exactly. Try to help yourself because those are a lot of like, you know, more on those types of events too. More tickets get sold than actually get used. Right. Because some people just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll buy the tickets and then. They don't ever. They don't ever show up. But then the downside of that is, you know, I think we also know from some of the cold furies as we've moved to bigger venues, when we would have our three hundred of our core fans in the PAV, they would all stay till the last bell, and when that champion left right. the ring. One challenge I have noticed is as we've moved into the bigger venues, where you are partnering with organizations or bringing in more casual fans, you'll notice that there's much less of a crowd for your main event. They thin out yeah. than, than there is because they're not invested in our in our storylines. They're not invested in the company. And, we, and when they brought... Yeah, traditionally we try to do those. And this year's a little different. you got Cody Rhodes coming in for Cold Fury. But traditionally we try to do those with, with no names. So you, just, right. you don't have like a name on top of your card going on last to hold the audience there. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I know we were very proud that first year, Cold Fury 13, with the, uh, the amount of people we drew with no real... Name stars. I know uh, Warby Hanson might take issue with that, but uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, no real like marquee names to draw no. 600, 700 people was kind of a big thing for Chaotic Wrestling. I think maybe Dr. Tom was like the only name we ever used. That <laughs> yeah. was just because he was there for a camp, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was Cold Fury 4. 
Yes. Right. <laughs> and Loki showed up one year. Right, that was the same one. Him and that Xavier was, unannounced. Right? That was all yeah. the same. <laughs> that was all the same Cold Fury. That was when there was an article on PW Insider that for some reason it said WWE sent a WWE ring to the yes. chaotic school. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Which was, you know, is completely false. Mm-hmm. But uh, for some reason You and your dirt sheets, Mike, that you love so much. <laughs> but for some reason like that week, all of a sudden, Low Key was interested in just coming to Chaotic Wrestling and, and seeing the show. I thought I always thought those kind of two things were related. Of course they were. <laughs> but you're missing the best part of that story. Okay, go ahead. Because I also remember that it broke in a bunch of places that WWE was sending us a ring and this and that. All of a sudden, I want to say it was like the following Thursday or a, a week, 10 days out, I get a call from our contact, the person who was in charge of talent relations at the time, and he calls me and goes, uh, hey, Jamie, I got a question for you. I'm like, what? Did we send you a ring? <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, uh, yeah. He said, you know, I, I, I read something. And he said, did you get a ring from us? I said, you know what? I'm not sure. I said, I haven't been over there. I said, but UPS did tell me that there's a big 20 by 20 foot box out in front of the school. So maybe that's what's in it. Do you want me to check? He left. But yeah, that broke so big that WWE actually called me to ask, did they send us a ring for the school? Amazing. Um, <laughs> All right, so let's get into, let's talk about the worst Cold Fury tagline. Let's just get right into it. <laughs> the worst, we talked about the taglines, how we came up with them every year. Uh, our friend Eric uh, forced us to come up with them might, every year. It might be easier to pick a good one. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> the worst Cold Fury tagline. I know my vote. Cold Fury 6, Into the Fire. Why? Because they, they threw fire. Do you remember that? <laughs> Cold Fury 6, and it made no sense. So there was no payoff for Into the Fire. But so no, they did, a, they did a fireball. The, leading into the, no, did you come up with that one? I think so. Yeah, no one. <laughs> no. That was, that was by far, in my opinion, the worst. That, that, that might win most convoluted. <laughs> yeah. The, ne- the never-ending chase was pretty stupid. <laughs> Cold Fury 9, the never-ending chase. Yeah. How about uh, Cold Fury 8? Br- uh, you brought this up, Jamie. That is by far the best. Cold Fury 8, infinite possibilities. Or 3. No. <laughs> <laughs> infinite. Why? Or was there even 3? might have been just 2. It was only 2. There were only 2 options. There were only 2 possible. Chase versus Aloe, chase, chase versus Fuller. Yes, there were only 2 possibilities. Yeah. But that's infinite. <laughs> and, and more importantly, when you take an eight and put it on its side, it makes the infinity symbol. <laughs> now, do you guys have a, a favorite Cold Fury moment? Is there one thing that pops into your head as your favorite moment? What will be this year's Cold Fury moment? <laughs> <laughs> I just threw up a little bit. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. I threw up in your mouth just a little bit. Or I mean, whether it's the best match, you know, the best Cold Fury main event, maybe something. Uh, I actually liked. Oh boy. 12 was that you ladder match where Sherman did the run in yeah that that one sticks out to me as a cold fury and as a main event it's a triple threat ladder match right yeah. you well, fury you the Sherman the Sherman win right the, uh... we, yeah he won earlier and it was you fury and handsome in the main in a ladder match right yeah and then that's where Sherman did the quick scramble in to try to cash to in try to cash in we should have let him climb and get it. <laughs> in in hindsight, perhaps, but but my, my favorite is uh, my three and a half minute match with Josh Daniels. I knew you were going to bring that one up. I, 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 I swear, I was going to write it in an envelope and seal it and say Brian's going to bring up him versus I've Josh. Never, Daniels. I've never seen a guy more disappointed in having to wrestle wrestle me in my entire career than Josh Daniels was at Cold Fury Five. <laughs> well, at least he actually hung around to wrestle you. There are other ones who were so upset they just 
left. Yeah. Yes. But, but um, I was speaking of which, I was supposed to wrestle John Walters on that show. <laughs> was that the same one? That's the one you guys had me go and cut the. He took his ball and went home. Okay. Because they did that with Austin on Ross. You guys made me cut that promo. Oh, <laughs> this was an easy promo. At least you had it all all Not written out for you. Yeah. You know what to do. <laughs> what about you, Michael? Is there anyone that sticks out to you? Um, I think. The steel cage match with the uh, handsome and Mike Cruel, Cold Fury Five, it was the first cage match in chaotic history, I gotcha. and um, it was put together. The cage was put together. Full cage. In the, <laughs> the cage. Of yes, it was a razor cage, if I remember correctly. Right. <laughs> yes. Again, that was that was again our our former technical advisor, um, Ethan, put that one together. Antonio Mega. Antonio Mega. <laughs> and do you remember the? Locker room incident between the two of them? Yes, I do. Yes. Oh, Ethan and Antonio Mega. Antonio Mega, sure do. Where we, we, we thought we were going to witness a murder. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Mike Cruel like ripped his hand apart on the yeah. on the cage because the cage was put together specifically for for our ring. It was you know just fencing, fencing. It was, yeah, it was built the night before. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And there was like yeah you know, stuff on top that shouldn't have been there, and he is like it, ripped his hand open. Is it still out back on the old undercover Probably building? Probably is. Like in uh, a yeah. little cage area. Yeah, I think it is. I think <laughs> It's still out there. Oh, my God. So, fans, if you want a little piece a little of uh, Counter Crossing history, history uh, 30 Commerce Way into Experiment Mass, uh, right. there, there, there's like a little caged in area, and that's where the cage from Cold Fury 5 resides in many pieces. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I sh- I, what I should really do is I should be a typical indie promoter, and my answer on that should be. Well, the one I remember is oh, that Cold Fury where Mercedes wrestled. And boy, I remember looking at her then. I knew she was going to be a star. And now look at her. And I think when you see a lot of the stuff Sasha Banks does, it all goes back to that Cold Fury. Come on, really? I can't do that. I can't even. Uh, now I'm throwing up my mouth a little bit. All right. Well, I think, I think my real one is, uh, you know, stealing the show last year with Donovan Dijak. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is that one available on on? Uh, yeah, leave me alone. Oh, oh, no, but that one will be available on Fight TV. Really? Uh, Cold Fury four fifteen. Wait, sorry. last year's Cold Fury still not available leave me, on DVD. Leave, leave me alone. I, I'm, I, this is I have no no clue. Leave, no. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Jamie. We, we want to talk business. DVD's a little passe. It's 2017. Is that what's <laughs> going on? Well, no, I, no, because again, for us at, at Cold Fury fifteen, Cold Fury sixteen. Sorry, uh, we'll have all of our past Cold Furies available. On both uh, VHS and Beta. Ooh, the box set. VHS and Beta Max. <laughs> box so, set? Yes, box set. Well, um, is it going to be like uh, like when WWE came out with the box set of WrestleManias and like like five or six guys have weird dubbed over music? You know, I, I, <laughs> I know Jesse the Body Ventura commentary. Like Milo Masterson has been has been has been replaced, replaced with the first two exactly. Cold Furies. <laughs> it's been replaced by Simon Gregory. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Okay. But Cold Fury, Cold Fury 15 will be available on Fight TV, I believe, this week. Wow. Uh, absolutely free. Wow. So check that out. Amazing. So let's talk about Cold Fury 16. Cold Fury 16, Unstoppable, this Friday, March 17th, at the Northern Essex Community College, 100 Elliott Street, Haverhill, Massachusetts. You can get your tickets at chaoticwrestling.com right now. The bell time is 8 p.m. The main event, Chase Del Monte defending the CW Heavyweight Championship against... Ilya Markopoulos, and Ilya, he's been down with Chaotic since day one, since he was a 13-year-old kid. Child. Yes. Literally a child. Do you want- Underratedly, Ilya may have the worst parents I've ever met. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like, they're, nice, they're, they're wonderful people. people. I love them dearly. Yeah. 
why do you let your thirteen-year-old train to be a professional wrestler <laughs> and not just train, but hang out with all the yeah. creeps? Of course, and... of course, I'm kidding. Ilya's parents are, are awesome. They're awesome. No, and I'm happy to see Ilya in this spot. You said it right. They're the nicest people on earth. But what were they thinking? <laughs> Absolutely. And I and I think your second point is well taken. I think all of us are really happy for Ilya to see him in the spot at Cold Fury. He's been with us forever. Um, you know, he's he's worked his butt off. He's seen a ton of people kind of come through the company. And this is really his chance to shine on, on what's our biggest show of the year against Chase. What was his first Cold Fury? Was it seven? Let me see. Eight? On the show? Ilya, yeah. I want to say it was around nine because wasn't it he and Al were the Greek squad? Yes. They were the Greek squad by 10. I remember that one. That's 2010, yeah. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, he was like, what, 15 years old? Sure. He <laughs> <laughs> was 23 right now, and he's wrestled for 10 years. Right. And Ilya, you know, you asked about favorite Cold Fury moments. Ilya is uh, part of probably my second favorite Cold Fury moment ever, which was during a countdown. Remember when the countdown used to be on Cold Fury before he broke it off to its own show? And somehow... The countdown uh, is like a Royal Rumble a Royal style. Royal Rumble style. Yeah. And he and Al, Alex Arian had cleared the ring. And as they waited the next competitor, it was one of our students, the All-American Dan Murphy, who hit <laughs> oh, no. the ring. And never has 90 seconds oh. felt so long <laughs> as Al and Ilya in the ring with oh, the All-American Dan Murphy. <laughs> Sal! Um, but, Brian, I would have to argue that uh, Dan Murphy is a tougher, um, uh, tougher, just more you know, intestinal fortitude wrestler than you'll ever be because he took, I think, four of Alex Arian's running knees in a row had no effect on the man. He just, he just popped right back up and stared down those two Greeks. Oh so, but no, we're, we're thrilled to see, thrilled to see Ilya and I, I guarantee that he and Chase will be will be a great match in the main event at Cold Fury 16. And the New England title will be on the line. The tag team titles will be on the line in a four-way warfare match. Also, as you mentioned, Brian, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, will be in action against Brick Mastone, Donovan Dijak against Adam Booker, Warbeard Hansen against JT Dunn. It's going to be a stacked, loaded show for Cold Fury 16 and it is in Haverhill, Massachusetts once again. Jesus Christ. I love that he left Jesus your match Christ. out. You Are left you Brian's me? match out. Are you kidding me? Oh, oh it's even a, on even my own I, damn podcast. Even, you, you, even you, I noticed you're treating you me like out. a throwaway match. Oh, sorry. It's here Jesus at the bottom. Jesus Christ. Okay. Brian is reunited with his protege and current Chaotic Wrestling Women's Champion, Davey N, to take on Mikey Webb and kind of our female newcomer, Ashley Vox. It's unbelievable. I, sorry, I missed that you here. You are. Really, man. Disgusting human being, and I hate you. <laughs> I, I agree with Brian. You're a loathsome brute. <laughs> well, the Kingpin will be in action uh, among the many stars at Cold Fury this Friday night, March 17th. Jamie Jamikowski, it was wonderful to finally have you. Well, I've been podcast. trying to get on this podcast since week one, <laughs> and I kept calling and trying to get on, and I'd ask Brian, he would say Crockett was in charge, and then Crockett <laughs> would tell me that, you know, well, Brian has some issues, he doesn't want you on. <laughs> so then I called my agent and told him to get me on, and, and RJ, 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 RJ kept saying, you know, I'll get you on, I'll take care of it. Then he started making guest spots, so, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to finally be here. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a long time coming, and we'll hopefully have you on again to talk uh, We'll do Breaking Point. We'll run down Breaking Point on shows. <laughs> maybe, maybe I think not. what you should do is, is when you have a really light week, I think you do a Chaotic Wrestling Booker's Roundtable and get you, me, Tarzan, Fat Pan, just get us all in one wow. room. Good Lord. Put a, put a ladder in here. It'll, it'll be a good time. Oh. And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll you can stay go, in the bathroom. We'll be back on when I get the strap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm a fan.
offended, or you, or you should be offended, or it's just mutually a mutual offense. All right. Well, thank you very thank much, you Jamie. We want your feedback. Every Thursday on our BDA bonus podcast, we do something called Merv Griffin Time, a talkback segment where we interact with you, the listener. So tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode. If you agree or disagree with our thoughts, what you thought of our interview with the CEO of Chaotic Wrestling, Jamie Jabukowski, tweet us especially if you have questions you'd like me or the Kingpin to address. Use that hashtag WPAN so we can find it easily and we'll mention you and your tweets this Thursday on the BDA bonus edition of the wrestling podcast about nothing. But uh, where you can interact with us right here on the NAI network every week is through our voicemail line. We want to hear from you. But since moving this podcast to the New Age Insiders Network, we've suffered from a severe lack of voicemails. So, Brian, it's contest time, buddy. Oh, boy. Let's bribe the people. (laughs) (laughs) Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And contribute to the wrestling podcast about nothing. A question, a comment, an insult, a song, a wonderful impression, anything. The best voicemail left for us before April 17th will be rewarded with our brand new Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. Now available. Courtesy of Mike Crockett's checking account. Yes. <laughs> it's my turn. Now available on ProWrestlingTees.com slash New Age Insiders. So call 401-584-9726 right now before you forget and leave us something funny, interesting, informative, or thought-provoking, and you can win an official wrestling podcast about nothing t-shirt. So call, call, call. Now, Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Brian Danielson's assertion? Not insertion, Brian. Assertion. (laughs) I saw you look at me like that. Well, Brian Danielson... Can ask Bella about his insertion. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) (laughs) Well... It obviously went well. She's pregnant. (laughs) Well, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, asserted last week that you may very well see him back in the ring. The only thing standing in his way is, of course, the year and a half left on his WWE contract. The only thing standing for BDA Radio is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. It's bye-bye, Birdie, and hello, boobies, at BDARadio.com. I don't get it. They announced that that is the name of... uh, Brian Danielson and Brie Bella's baby. It's going to be Birdie. Oh. You spend more time in the dirt sheets than I do. Yeah. <laughs> and because they have some some boobies over on the uh, BDARadio.com. Oh, okay. Not as many as they used to. No, no, no. But there's they have of, them over there. There's a lot of heat. <laughs> Check out BDARadio.com for all your news and your uh, boobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Brian. Promo about nothing time. This is from, I'm not quite sure, either the late 80s or early 90s. From ICW, not the ICW in Tennessee, but the Northeast ICW, which later was IWCCW, Brian. And uh, we will do a promo from a gentleman known as Chief Thunder Mountain. This week's promo about nothing. I'm not come out here and raise my voice. But they told me 
when I came to the ICW, they said, see, big time wrestling. You want big time wrestling? You got it. If it's single or quit a tag, you got it. Face it, the superstars of the ICW on the highway of life. You're both wagon and have a last truck with a full load headed for you, ICW. Ooh, Mr. Rumble, that's still one man that I wouldn't want to get in front of. He's sent him out and fired up. Single tag, he doesn't seem to care out of his mind who he's going to wrestle or how he's going to do it. But I'll say he is one fired up individual. Uh, you know, they should take him and stick him in front of some cigar store somewhere. I got the perfect place in my neighborhood. Yeah, Brian, Chief Thunder Mountain from ICW. That was intensity, my friend. Well, he's not going to come out here and raise his voice. <laughs> and then he did just that. He not raised his the, voice. Not, uh, you know, I, I, I got to admit, I was, uh, I was uh, surprised. I was uh, waiting for a uh, traditional offensive Native American uh, gimmick of that time, and uh, that was very different. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he, he paid no mind to the Native American part of his character. He not, was just not a, in the slightest. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of Native Americans talking about Mack trucks. <laughs> doesn't happen. Doesn't happen very often. Maybe he's like Flapjack Norton. They just kind of threw something on him. <laughs> they may, maybe so. Uh, yeah, Brian Rick Flair talks a lot about people riding Space Mountain. You've ridden Thunder Mountain, right? I have ridden Big Thunder Mountain. That's <laughs> that's perverse. Many many times. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, Brian. Ten, ten times in one trip, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Whoa! <one time. laughs> Not there's anything wrong with that. But uh, yeah, so the the chief, he's um, trying to figure out why that fella had a microphone. <laughs> 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 yeah, there there was like two other people there. Uh, it seems like it was part of a longer promo that kind of got trimmed down. If I'm being honest here, looking at that video, four seconds later, he dropped dead of a heart attack. <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, Brian, he did die in 1991. So <laughs> there you go. This promo is probably from 1991. <laughs> That's Rest why in, I said, "Ladies, are early 90s." Rest in peace, buddy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Good lord! And uh, he got worked up. <laughs> and uh, t- and Tony Rumble at the end, uh, you know, made a very. Uh, distasteful joke which i'm not sure they will even keep on this podcast but, <laughs> but it's there and uh you can go back and listen to the 20 rumble episode that we did a number of weeks ago with uh, our friend rich paladino and we also did an interview with uh, brian webster of iwccw uh they are both on the bda radio wrestling podcast about nothing feed but yeah this week's promo about nothing brian and you've heard it if you want the full picture find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the nai network all right, Brian, you're hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this green nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. I don't know. Am I still booked for, for Friday? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you left me off, uh, so I didn't <laughs> know if you got some inside information there. I got bumped from the card. I'm like, what was it? Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and... Uh and Who the hell was it? Bam Bam Bigelow and another big guy. There's there's Adam Bomb and Earthquake. Or Maybe that's like what that. it was. Yeah, 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 I'm gonna get bumped from Cold Fury due to time constraints. But uh, as of right now, I'll be in Haverhill, Massachusetts, this Friday night for Cold Fury 16. I will be teaming with uh, Davy N to take on Ashley Vox and Mike Webb. A guy named Cody Rhodes will also be there. Oh, yeah. You may have heard of him. He's on like every television program known to man except for <laughs> WWE right now. Uh, he's kind of setting the world on fire. So catch him live Friday night.
Saturday, or excuse me, not Saturday. I'm not doing anything Saturday. <laughs> oh, just hanging out. <laughs> well, if you want to book the Kingpin, you'll find out in a few minutes how. Yeah. But uh, Sunday, I will be returning to Beyond Wrestling in the Electric Haze in Worcester, Massachusetts uh, for another great Beyond event. Um, what else we got this month, Mike? The 24th, I'm returning to Fall River, Massachusetts at the PAL Hall for Top Rope Promotions. Hometown of Bobby Cruz. <laughs> it sure is. And then April 1st, I'm heading to Newburyport uh atlantic pro wrestling is back and so is the kingpin so uh yeah that's what i got going on coming up next couple weeks buddy all right sounds good and if you want to book the kingpin for this saturday brian malonis at comcast.net that's the email you can also dm him i'll come to your show for a low low price of 250 dollars wow all right (laughs) not bad not bad i'm kidding on promoters out there (laughs) (laughs) brian malonis at brian malonis on twitter also if you want to dm him to have him come and be on your show okay do us a personal favor and check out all the other great podcasts here on the nai network dc and doc talk the pipe bomb with mccoolan company rant with ant late night liam indie pop and twice a month our friend scotty slade is a part of the inside perspective check out all those great podcasts all week long here on the new age insiders network okay we are back on thursday for the bda bonus podcast search wpan on your favorite podcatcher or go to bdaradio.com to find that then join us here next monday on the nai network for episode 48 of the big podcast until then he is the kingpin brian malonis i'm mike crockett big ups to mucko and thanks for nothing